The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Hello. Excuse me. I get my voice back here. Good evening. My name is Maria Stratman. I'm really happy to be here. It's good to see you all. This evening, I want to talk to you uh, about the general topic of impermanence. But recently, I've been inspired by a poem by Amanda Gorman. You may remember her as the poet laureate for uh, who read her poem, uh, The Hill We Climb, at the inauguration, the brilliant yellowed coat that she wore and the verve that she delivered that, that poem with. Well, she's written a book recently, and uh, it's called Call Us What We Carry, and in that is this poem. And one of the things that intrigues me is I'm just not sure why she chose the title she did. So tonight's topic, in response to the poem, considers the intersection of impermanence, intentions, and seeing clearly. What is true now, and how can we be in the presence of what is true now? In the presence in this time of uncertainty, how do do we meet uncertainty, and what does it mean to meet uncertainty in the next place? I've called my talk The Heroism of Being Changed. So if I forget that as I ramble on, please remind me. Wave your hand and say, wait a minute, when were we going to talk about heroism and being changed? So let me start with the poem. The poem is called Closure. Closure. To begin again isn't to go backwards, but to decide to go. To begin again isn't to go backwards, but to decide to go. Our story is not a circle carved, but a spiral shed, shaped, spinning, shifting inward and outward ad infinitum, like a lung on the bank of speech. Breathe with us. We disembark both beside and beyond who we were, who we are. It is a return and a departure. We spiral on, pushing up and out, like a growing thing, making its form out of earth. In a poem, there's no end. Just a place where the page glows wide and waking, waiting, like a lifted hand, poised and paused. Here is our bond, unbordered by bone. Perhaps love is how it feels to breathe the same air. All we have is time, is now. Time takes us on. How we are moved says everything about what we are to each other. And what are we to each other, if not everything? 
To begin again isn't to go backwards, but to decide to go. It's the same as the meditation instruction. When we find that our mind has wandered away, we say just come back to the breath and begin breathing again. We don't spend a lot of time worrying about how we got there or what was the the definition of the thoughts and what direction where they were going. We just come back and we just start breathing again. We just come back to the breath. It's the same instruction. It's the same instruction for everything. We just come back and we take the next step. This poem invites us to show up in this moment. Show up in this moment. In these days, in this month, in this year. To show up with these conditions, just as we are. Not as the person we used to be. Not as the person we would like to be. Not as our ideal selves. But as this person. This person that is weary or excited This person, these conditions, this room, show up this way and then take a step. Don't worry about how you got here or where you're going to go when you leave here. But who is this person right here? Our practice is to be aware, to be aware of our state of mind, to be aware of this condition, this experience, this place. We do that in meditation, and we do that in our lives. This, this place. And to notice, I'm not the person I was yesterday. I'm not the person I was just a few minutes ago. I'm this person. To recognize not so much how we've changed, but that this is the person showing up for these conditions. This is the person who has to decide whether to sit here, whether to leave, whether to breathe, whether to not breathe. Well, that's usually not so voluntary. <laughs> so we want to apply this mindfulness of just how things are, not only in the meditation, but when we get up from meditating and when we take the next step. And to see that what life is, what experience is, is not so much our changing what we're going to do next, but that we carry this this forward into the next moment. That what we decide in this moment, what we do in this moment, what our intentions are in this moment, condition the next moment. Condition tomorrow. Condition what happens next. It doesn't determine it. We come here with our intentions. Some of those intentions are large intentions. Some of them are small intentions. Some of them act like motivators. And some of them get in our way. Being aware of what our intentions are. Occasionally asking ourselves, what are my intentions here? What is it that I'm doing? Why am I doing this? What is it that's showing up here in this moment? And keeping in mind how it is that we want to be in the moment, not who we want to be. Who we want to be. This mythical self is not the person who is here in this moment. 
know, I've always had as the overriding intention in my life to be open-hearted. This is, this is how I want to be. And I realized that that begins with be open-hearted. It doesn't say anything about becoming open-hearted. And that the beginning of that is be open. Oh. Now, I always thought of being open-hearted as what the generosity that I was going to bestow on others. But the first thing I have to do is be open. That was an interesting realization. That the, the way that I am in this world with you in this moment is what I'm working with. It's wise if I know what that is and how that fits the intentions that I have, the large intentions and the small intentions, the everyday intentions. The practice is to show up with our intentions and what those mean, our intentions of kindness, of wholesomeness, of skillfulness, and to see, is it here now? Am I ready? (laughs) Am I ready for just this? Oh, I'm not ready. Okay, I know, I'm not ready. Well, I'm kind of ready. Well, I'm here. This is what I'm working with. This is what I have. These are the skills I have. What I cultivate come out of my intentions and what arises out of my actions now. That conditions the next moment. That's the next set of conditions I have to worry about. So right now, Having just sat for 45 minutes, I'm feeling fairly relaxed, pretty easy. You know, public speaking doesn't frighten me, so that's okay. I can just, I can just be here. And so I have a certain amount of ease with that, right? Okay. I've been kind of relaxed. I've not been worrying. All right. That's, that's the condition I'm bringing into this. But earlier today, Ah, uh, that was not stri- that was not necessarily true. I was out walking this afternoon, and um, there was a couple. I, I, I walk around this pond in my neighborhood. And it's about a quarter mile around the pond to give you an idea of the size of it. It's not very large. Has lots of koi in it, and a couple of ducks. Sometimes geese. Sometimes an egret feeding on the fish. And this afternoon, a couple had their dog, and they were throwing balls out into the middle of the pond so that the dog could run in and chase the balls. Now, this is a protected pond, and nobody's supposed to wade in it or get in it and not disturb the fish or the ducks. And so I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, I should go up and tell that person this is not acceptable. They can't be doing this. They shouldn't be letting their dog in, much less encouraging their dog. And I'm feeling all of this ill will and agitation building up in me, and I'm walking, walking, walking. And I realized that there was outrage and uh, a sense of injustice that was getting really strong. And I thought, well, now how can I approach this person? And the thoughts went to, what's, what's right speech? Which wise speech here? And then I said, well, first I better check in and see who is this that's trying to decide this wise speech. And I decided part of what was happening was that there was this overwhelming feeling that I've been carrying around with me for days around the war in Ukraine. And that the feeling of the injustice of invasion and 
all of the experiences of frustration and helplessness that I've been having had built up in me. And I was about to take it out on this guy throwing his, the ball into the water in this pond. Recognizing that that was there, that that was a condition of how I've been walking around, my anxiety and sense of helplessness about war, was really useful to see. So I checked, and, you know, the fish had all moved away from that end of the pond. The dog wasn't really aggressive. Nothing was being hurt. So maybe the appropriate thing for me was not to think of the best thing to do, but to be aware of this container I have that includes my distress over the war in Ukraine. And maybe time better spent thinking about what does that mean for me how am I reacting to that? What is, what is that condition leading me to, as opposed to worrying about wise speech? Definitely noticing the agitation, the distress, the lack of satisfaction. How do I meet that? Taking all of that frustration and releasing it in the direction of somebody else Innocent or not innocent, just might not be the answer. At other times, I notice, the other day I noticed, I woke up uh, after dreams. I don't know if you dream. I, I tend to dream when I'm under stress or whether, or when something is really moving in me. And I was having all the classic anxiety things in my dreams, you know, like, I missed my flight. How can I get to Japan? Who knows why I wanted to go to Japan, but I needed to get there. And, and what, how was I going to do that? Or, or I start, you know, my car is, I have a flat on my tire, or I have to get under and, and adjust something, you know, those kinds of dreams. Dreams about helplessness. And I, as I got out of bed, I was aware of that, and I thought about Ukraine. And I, so I said, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I noticed that the feeling that I had was this closed-in feeling and very tight, and I actually had a feeling of smallness. I don't know if you've... It's hard to talk about an attitude of mind like this, but it has to do with a sense of space. And I realized that I was compressing all of these things and that what was needed was space. I went outside and allowed all those feelings that I was, that just seemed like too much, to just be true. Where there was more space for them. Just be true. Not chasing them away, just giving them a little more space. And in that space, it was easy to see, hmm, easier to see, ah, I need to meet this. How can I affect something positive? But when it was all compressed, it wasn't possible for me. So being aware of the attitude that my mind, the mind state, tells me something about this person in these conditions who's trying to live life. It doesn't tell me what to do. But it gives me information so that I see clearly. 
I see the campaigner, person who wants to do something. And rather than finding the place where I, I, I have to fix something or I have to take out the frustration, there needs to be space to see, ah, this is the person that's showing up now. This is the person. This is what it feels like to be the person who is feeling frustration and helplessness, sadness. And not start listing all the reasons that's true and all the, all the, all the, all the dictators in the world or whatever feeds into the story, but noticing this, oh, this is, this is the effect. This is, this is the agitation that is here. And knowing the agitation that is here, it is, it's the energy of just allowing what is true to be true. I don't know if any of you heard Gil's talk from this morning, but he actually he's talking about the Satipatthana Sutta. And this morning he talked about attitude of mind. And that, that was really his talk, at, uh, the, the mind state. And, and the, the learning what the mind state is, how it feels, is a practice. It's not automatic. You know, when I talk about the space seems small, sometimes that must feel strange to you. It's only the way that I talk about it. The mind state is not a thing like a brain. It's, it's more, I, I, I like to think of it as the container in which my experience is taking place. This, this is, this is the condition, part of the condition is the energy that I bring into the moment, whether that energy is low energy or high energy, whether I'm feeling compressed or spacious. When things seem confused, okay, things seem confused. Oh, I don't like confusion. I have to do something about confusion. Why am I confused? Let me get it all organized. I'm going to plan something. Notice the tendency of the mind to want to plan in the state of confusion. Oh, that's interesting. What would it be like if I didn't do that? What if I didn't plan? What if I didn't do that activity? What would that what would be true? What would arise? Am I okay with not knowing what's going to happen next? What does that feel like? We cultivate this kind of mindfulness in meditation, and we think of it as mindfulness and stillness. Is there any way to get at that stillness when everything is chaotic, when everything feels out of control? How do we get, how do we realize that? When we come to the space where we say, oh, I see, there's just a moment of Ah, that. And it's a moment, if we notice, of ease. There's just a kind of feeling into it that's, oh, that's here. Oh, that's here. And just that moment of ease should be registered 
oh, I noticed. I got it. I caught it. Oh, great. Rather like when we come back from being lost in thoughts and meditation, we say, I'm back. Here I am. I am still here. I'm here. And that I am here sometimes puts a little ease in the chaos of what's going on. And when we recognize it, then it becomes something we know. And it becomes a way of shifting our awareness from whatever it is that we've encountered that we may want to analyze, fix, change, and say, oh, this is what it feels like to be confused. And just that much shift in awareness brings us to a place where we're not rolling around in whatever the the emotion is that we might have recognized. How do we not get caught by the state of mind, but catch it? So that if we wake up sad, or confused, or angry, we can say, ah, sadness is here. Hmm, I should be careful about that. Or confusion is here. Oh, you're trying so hard. Or anger is here. Oh, anger is here. Wow. I don't have to then list all the reasons I've ever been angry. Or list the reasons I've been angry with this person. I can develop a relationship to uncertainty. Anger is here. I don't know for sure what's going to happen in the next moment. Confusion is here. I don't know what's going to happen in the next moment. When we have space for things to be just as they are, we have a freedom to not be have, have to control what happens next. So we aren't caught by whatever it is. We can say, oh, that is here. We're, we're afflicted, by, afflicted by uncertainty at every turn. We have, you know, I could go down the long list. There's COVID. You know, over six million people have died in the world from COVID. Six million people. We've lost people. We've been isolated. Many of us have decision fatigue. Is this safe? Is this not safe? (laughs) There are over uh, 1.7 million refugees from the Ukraine in the last 12 days. Wow, where are all those people? There's inflation and financial insecurity. There's climate change. There's inequality. There are no end to things that we might worry about. And we as humans try to protect ourselves against these things. We become ever vigilant. And we become more vigilant and more vigilant. And pretty soon we are little vigilant machines. And we're so busy being vigilant, we haven't noticed that our hearts have turned down, that we have locked ourselves up, that we're constantly looking with an eye of suspicion. 
And so something we were counting on comes up and somebody says, well, I'm not going to be able to make it. And all of a sudden, because we're carrying this suspicion around with us, oh, what's this about? Why are you doing this to me? And all of a sudden, there's this adversary relationship. What is quite possible, the other person just, something came up and there's nothing they can do about it. We don't know. We don't know. Ajahn Chah said, looking for certainty in that which is not certain, you're bound to suffer. Looking for certainty in that which is not certain, you're bound to suffer. How do we free ourselves of that? How do we find a place of safety without spending all our lives trying to be safe and not letting anything happen and trying to control the outcome of what happens? We look to what our experience has taught us. We can trust this. We can't trust that. This is safe. That's not safe. And we'd say that with the idea that it's always going to be the same, but it turns out that it's not. The conditions are never the same. They're always changed in some way, just as we're changed in some way. So no end of planning No amount of planning is going to assure that everything's going to happen just the way we want it to. Better to say, oh, this is what it's like to be disappointed. Oh, this is what it's like to be disappointed. I feel sad. I feel let down. I feel thwarted. Whatever that experience is like, we can look at that experience and not oh, this is your fault. We don't have to have blame for all the bad things that happen in life. We can say, oh, a bad thing has happened. Now what's the next step? What do I do now? What, 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 how do I approach this now? Where is my intention now? One of the ways we do that is by taking advantage of the space between what arises and naming it our own. One of the best instructions somebody ever gave me was to realize that I could name something that was going on and not make it mine or me. Anger is present, but I'm not angry. I'm not anger. Anger is here. If anger is here, something needs to be done. But it isn't me. I don't have to make it mine and have it be, oh, this, this is an angry person. I can notice, okay, the energy is up in my body. Adrenaline is running. I want to retort. Well, wait a minute. Okay, I can't do anything about that adrenaline, but knowing that that adrenaline is is rushing gives me a moment in which I can remember my intention toward kindness. And I'll say, yeah, but I don't feel kind. Okay, not feeling kind is here. I don't like the way that feels. It feels really crummy. And that we're not held by it anymore. Once we see it, we can disentangle ourselves from it. We don't have to push it away. I have a little problem with the instructions to just let it go because it feels too much like putting it away. But if I can say, okay, it's here, and my intention for kindness is here, and they are struggling with one another... Now it's out here. There's space. I'm not in here fighting it. I'm looking at it. And I'm saying, okay, 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 I see. Both you guys are here. 
when you're in that space of seeing, of discerning the difference between what has arisen and who I am, then we have more freedom to choose the wise next step. Sometimes when the adrenaline is running through our bodies, the best thing to do is to turn around and wash our hands. (laughs) Do something that takes care of that energy without responding, without jumping into what's the wise thing to do here, but rather take advantage of the fact that I notice this is happening. Noticing feelings becomes a habit of mind. Noticing mind state becomes a habit of mind. And it begins to show up when you're not looking for it. And you start realizing, oh, this is what, oh, this is happening now. Oh, I see this. And not, oh, this is my habit and this is always happening. Whenever I hear stories about refugees, what comes to mind is a a hangover from when I was in grade school. It was the time of the Hungarian Revolution, which gives you a clue of how long ago that was. And two little girls showed up at my school. They did not speak my language. They were extremely exotic. My God, they had their ears pierced unheard of in 1955, 57, 58, 58 probably, in in Billings, Montana, unheard of. These were the most exotic people I'd ever seen, and I was so eager to get to know them and find out about them, and I couldn't speak to them. And they were terrified. And I remember that look of terror, and the two girls, they were sisters, would huddle together, and they'd kind of hide from everybody, and they'd look around with suspicion, And every time I hear about refugees of any kind, I remember those two. I have no idea what happened to them. They were only there a brief time. But they impacted me, and they are a condition of my life. They are a condition that this person who's arrived in this place is always affected by refugees, any refugee, anybody who's put out unexpectedly, unknowingly. And I can't imagine. I don't, I don't know what it would be like to feel like that. But the experience for me is a very open experience. It doesn't leave me with fear and dread. It leaves me more with a, a, the feeling of compassion. Of, oh my God, what can I do about this? And to recognize that in the midst of the uncertainty and despair is to realize there's this unpleasant thing and there is this pleasant thing. And both are conditions. That the very distress we feel about injustice, inequality, those feelings of this is not right, this should not be this way, are also in the same room with the feelings of how can I make this better? What can I do about this? And the intentions that we have 
toward kindness and compassion and wholeness show up in that moment if we allow them, if we allow ourselves to see them and not be dragged away by whatever it is that that comes up, but rather, oh, this is here, and what else is here? Words matter. What we name things matters. Uncertainty is just impermanence fully realized. To not be uncertain, not be certain about who we are, what is true, but to every moment see it freshly. What's true now? What's true now? Is to look at change and realize that all the conditions that we've been through have changed us and continue to change us. The new conditions change us. And to be willing to see, I'm changed by this. I'm changed by this experience. I'm changed by this knowledge. I'm changed by recognizing who's shown up in this moment, in this body. I'm changed by that. And to embrace that change in the sense of just allowing it to be true. Just seeing it. This is how it is. It's like this. It's like this. This. What arises in the moments when the unexpected arises? What happens? I recently took a week when I realized I was really busy trying to make everything happen and said, what happened? What happens if I don't do all this responsible stuff? And for, I decided to work a crossword puzzle. And for four days, that's all I did. I worked that crossword puzzle. Not a crossword puzzle. I mean, a thousand-piece puzzle, a regular puzzle. I'm a crossword puzzle fanatic, so that came up. But what I did was work this puzzle just to see what happens if I don't do all these things. What happens? What arises? What do I think? What do I think if this person? Who is this person here? What is useful is to realize that almost anything could happen and to know that we don't have to know the outcome. We don't, things don't have to be the way they are, how we think they should be. We can't go back to a non-existent past. We can only access this moment this person who is here in this moment. We do so with the accumulated wisdom and humility of all the things that we have thought and been in the past, who are not who we are now. As Amanda's poem said, we are both beside and beyond who we were, who we are, it's always changing. We are the heroes of our everyday. We take the next step into the uncertain with the confidence of seeing clearly and the wisdom of our own intentions. So those are my thoughts for tonight. I hope it's useful. 
Do you have any questions, observations? I'd be happy to hear. Let me read the poem to you again. Closure. To begin again isn't to go backwards, but to decide to go. Our story is not a circle carved, but a spiral shed, shaped, spinning, shifting inward and outward ad infinitum, like a lung, on the bank of speech. Breathe with us. We disembark both beside and beyond who we were, who we are. It is a return and a departure. We spiral on, pushing up and out, like a growing thing, making its form out of earth. In a poem, there is no end, just a place where the page grows wide and waiting like a lifted hand, poised and paused. Here is our bond, unbordered by bone. Perhaps love is how it feels to breathe the same air. All we have is time, is now. Time takes us on. How we are moved says everything about what we are to each other. And what are we to each other, if not everything? May you know the peace of uncertainty, the possibilities of uncertainty. May your practice lead you to a place where you can see clearly so that wisdom is with you always. Thank you.